0: This is Recorded Future, inside threat intelligence for cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Recent protests in Hong Kong have highlighted a growing trend in online influence operations, in this case from mainland China. Officials there have been using Western social media platforms to influence public perception of the Hong Kong protests. Those social media platforms have, in turn, shut down accounts they've determined are posting what they call inauthentic content. Researchers in Recorded Future's INSICT group have been analyzing these attempts at online influence operations and have published a report titled Chinese State-Run Media Seek to Influence Perception of Hong Kong Protests. Priscilla Moriucci is head of nation-state research at Recorded Future, and she joins us to share their findings. Stay with us.
1: Over the course of the past year plus, we've been monitoring Chinese state-run influence operations on social media. We've been conducting research to get a sense of how their operations use or exploit social media and how that's different from what other countries do, what other criminal actors do, right, to try to, you know, kind of come up with a fingerprint and hopefully eventually, right, to be able to, um, you know, kind of deter their their effects, right. So over the course of the past year, we've sort of defined, right, what is an influence operation, right, and what makes it, you know, important and distinguished from like public relations, for example, to sort of knowledge level, I guess when we talk about influence operation or even disinformation campaign or something like that, you know, we have three criteria that we at Recorded Future talk about anyway. So one, that it's a coordinated campaign, right? So it's intentional. Two, that the goal is to spread false information or information that's consciously distorted, right? By, in this case, the Chinese state. Third, right, that the outcome, right, of the intention is to cause political harm, right? So to advantage, for example, China, the state, of you know, Chinese state, People's Republic of China, over say the United States or any other uh, country or group, right? That would be the target of these influence operations. So that's, that's sort of how we categorize influence operations. And, you know, what we've been looking at over the course of the past year, you know, we define like how Chinese state run operations work. So for, for, for in general, China tries to focus on positive messages that will enforce or reinforce the positive role that China, you know, Chinese government believes that its nation is playing, right, in the larger role, in the larger international system, right? Mm-hmm. So at the at the base of this, right, is like this kind of Chinese dream, right, which is, you know, kind of people pulling themselves up and, and sort of english Americans speak, right, by their bootstraps, right, enabled by these, you know, government policies, you know, this is happening all over the world, uh, general economic globalization, right, China as this responsible actor in contrast to maybe the United States and our, um, you know, current political leadership. So all these these messages, right, are messages that Chinese state media Using influence operations on social media have propagated right for years, and that we've been we've been looking at for the past year or so. So now, now
0: how is that different from say, uh, you know, here in the West, uh, national pride of I'm proud to be an American. You know, of uh, the president of the United States standing up and saying this is the greatest country in the world. God bless America.
1: Right. So the distinction there is that that would be like public diplomacy or right positive messaging. Mm. There's not an intent to cause harm to the audience that's receiving that message, right? Hmm. There's no intent to, for example, for the United States to disadvantage, uh, the UK, right? When we say we're the best country on earth, right? We're not trying to harm anyone else, right? (laughs) The president says that Mm -hmm. it's just the, the opinion of a person, right? In the case of, of China, right? The messages that they're putting out, for example, on the Hong Kong protests, right? As we'll talk about uh, on other issues like Xinjiang, right? Issues in Xinjiang and province, for example, uh, how they're countering, you know, quote unquote Islamic extremism, right? When the reality is that they're operating huge detention camps so. So these messages, right? It's not just the exclusion of the negative, but the distortion, right? Of the actual facts on the ground to advantage China over right, other countries and populations.
0: So, sort of uh, an Orwellian kind of uh, element to it is, is that would be a fair way to describe it.
1: Yes, it is, and and even more Orwellian, right? Is that the <laughs> the goals, right, of these campaigns? They're coordinated by a propaganda ministry, right? So there's no that's what it's called in China, the Ministry of Propaganda. So there's no hiding, right? Or there's there's, there's an acknowledgement, right, by the Chinese government from the very start, right, that they are trying to put out right disinformation and propaganda, right. To leverage the uh, you know this message right and and sort of cause harm and degrade others and is
0: it a, a side effect of uh, the structure of their society that um you don't end up with opposing voices
1: yeah i, I would say the structure of the current government right yeah. and how the state and the party run right the the nation the people's republic of china right is a a repressive, right, to be completely honest, right, a repressive regime that suppresses alternate viewpoints. And so they, sort of the way that they operate their influence operations and their suppression, right, is they, at the the sort of senior level, a message is decided upon, right, and that propagates its way down through the other ministries who then all use their various tools, right, of enforcement, right, whether it's propaganda, influence operations, suppression, censorship, Right. They all sort of uh, use different tools to hammer home kind of the same agreed upon message.
0: Well, uh, let's dig in some to the specifics of the situation happening in Hong Kong. Um, again, for, for some of the background, what led up to this?
1: Sure. So in about, I guess some of the protests really started in April. But, um, you know, earlier this year, there was a bill introduced into the you know Hong Kong's legislative UN, right, which would have provided for the government of Hong Kong to extradite ostensibly criminals, right, to mainland China to kind of face justice in the mainland China judicial system. From the perspective of of Hong Kongers, right, the problem with this law is that the mainland China judicial system is not, how is a polite way of saying this, Uh, it's not transparent, right? It's not actually governed by rule of law. Um, And there are offenses in mainland China, for example, uh, freedom of expression that are not offenses in Hong Kong. So the worry, right, among Hong Kongers was that Hong Kong citizens could um, get extradited to China and face charges for actions that are not actually crimes in Hong Kong, like political expression, right, and be confronted with a judicial system that is inherently unfair, the introduction of this bill, right, brought people out into the streets to protest. And as the months, you know, have kind of gone by, the protests have gotten bigger and the scope has expanded a little bit. And this is sort of where we kind of come in and we start looking at. So given this this research that we have and, and what we know about how China Chinese state-run media and influence operations, right, use social media, especially how they want to message the West, right, um, we just want to see how they were tackling the, the Hong Kong protests.
0: And when, when we're talking about protests here, I, I think it's important to note the scale that we're talking about. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands and 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 there's reports of millions of people marching.
1: That's correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, the scale of the protests has, you know, peaked and valued right over the course of the past few months. but. You know, I, I think the general pattern is kind of on weekends, right? The mm-hmm. the number of protesters swell. I think the another important element of the protest is the fact that there are people from across society, right? So a lot of the times the protesters are characterized as students or activists. But I think the reality, right, in Hong Kong is that there's a, wa- there's a wide swath of, of people, right? Everyone from, you know, students and, and workers to... You know, business executives and entertainers and um, government workers, uh, airline attendants, right? Who are all involved in these protests?
0: Yeah, it struck me too that there have been a handful of suicides related to this.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen some some reporting that um, you know, in sort of the early days of of the protests, that that was one of the reasons for them to, or one of the I guess I would say galvanizing points for a lot of the protesters was that many people had lost hope for a change, right? And they just became so depressed that it that it became important for the protesters to expand their movement and bring in more people. You know, fr- from from the accounts that I've heard. So
0: well, so let's talk about um, how China has responded to this. Uh, you know, both publicly and, and the things that you're tracking, some of the influence operations
1: sure yeah so from our perspective right we look at the state-run influence accounts right on social media so you know across a variety of english language specific right western social media platforms and i i want to make that distinction because there's you know the information environment on chinese social media platforms is controlled by the government of China. And it's a very different methodology, right? It's a very different audience than what we see in sort of the English language sphere. So first is that, you know, even though the protests really started in April, right? State-run media largely ignored Chinese, you know, mainland state-run media largely ignored the protests in Hong Kong and any discussion of the extradition bill or anything around those until specifically June 9th. And so June 9th and 10th, was a period of a couple of days um, when, as you were sort of talking about before, the numbers of people, right, involved in the protest began to swell significantly. And when really some of the first, as we call it like violent tactics, right, were were employed, you know, by the the police and also on, I guess you could say on the protesters' side as well. So we have that. Mm-hmm. So first, you know, all the protests were going on for months before then, State media ignored them, right? It wasn't part of anything they were talking about, whether positively or negatively, right, up until that point. Um, after that point, though, we we used one of these tools called sentiment analysis, right? And what that does is essentially assign a number value, right, to um, the sentiment expressed in a, a social media post. So you know, that's, it's done based on, you know, the use of specific words, right, in association with other words and terms in a post, right. And it's, it's just one kind of scientific tool, right, um, that you can employ. It's not the the be all end all, right. But we, we use that to analyze the sentiment, right, that these Chinese state or influence accounts were trying to portray, right, to Western audiences. And what we found is that, While there's been a focus on like the negative content coming from these accounts, like, you know, calling the protesters uh, near or the acts of protest like near terrorism, for example, or other sort of uh, inflammatory remarks about protest actions, by and large, Chinese state-run influence accounts are walking this fine line between maintaining this positive image of, you know, the Chinese government Right as a positive actor, and influence that supports the Hong Kong government, and obviously conveying the way that they feel about the protests, which is negative, of course. Hmm. Um, so we have this balance in which, in which um, we can see that like many of the negative, what the what we would consider like negative posts, right, um, or negative comments about the protests, were kind of counterbalanced by supportive messages for the Hong Kong government, or like positive images in those messages themselves. So it's not just this kind of like coordinated state-run campaign, right, designed to impugn, right, the Hong Kong protests and, you know, these movements at any cost using this wide range of kind of violent or condemning rhetoric. That's not the case, right? What we see hmm. really state media, state media walking this really fine line, and sometimes they fail, right? <laughs> and hmm. sometimes they succeed in trying to present themselves, right, as overly support or broadly, right, supportive of the Hong Kong government, right. We support Hong Kong government and their efforts, right, to uh, you know bring back law and order, right, to uh, the streets and you know rebuild the Hong Kong economy, right after these the damage from these protests, you know, while at the same time, right, messaging, right, that the protests are, right, bad for Hong Kong's economy, right, mm. um, their protesters are not following the laws, that, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've even seen that, uh, you know, the difference between the, the, the protesters themselves, who, of course, refer to what's going on as protests, and, uh, the government referring to them as riots,
1: right? Exactly, and that's that's one of the things that you know is not always picked up in sentiment analysis, right? Like hmm. the difference between calling something a protest or a riot can be uh, one of perception, right? As opposed to uh, something you can quantify easily with with numbers. Um, but again, we you know we we rarely in the, in the sort of social media protests that we or posts that we analyze. We we don't really see them state media referring to the you know protesters you know in a as you know sort of (laughs) democracy protesters right um Mm -hmm. but mainly touching upon the acts of violence right the sort of heroic acts of the police forces um the damage right that these protests are causing to the hong kong economy uh the victims right who are the the population of Hong Kong, right, and the innocent police officer just trying to enforce order, you know, those type of things. I see. Now, in terms of what's
0: going on on social media, we've seen reports that um, some of the platforms have been shutting down what they call inauthentic accounts. What are you tracking there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, that would be what we would call kind of the covert side of influence mm-hmm. operations. Um, and you know, there's a lot of reporting and study again on sort of the covert side of influence operations in Chinese state run and Chinese language social media, but largely in, in English language social media, we have a much less definite idea of what a covert, right, uh, Chinese influence operation would look like on social media. And I think to a certain extent, uh, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook you know, they're all trying to address, right, this issue of, of sort of inauthentic content, right? <laughs> In which, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a person behind a keyboard or maybe it's a program propagating content that is not truly who that person is, right? In this case, you know, there have been sort of scattered accounts that, are reports, that some of the accounts that Twitter has suspended are not, were not actually, you know, Chinese and actually run by Chinese influence, you know, bots or, or Chinese uh, people tied to the Chinese government. You know, I think there's not a clear line, and they didn't really provide any evidence as to why the content providers determined that these were all Chinese state-run accounts. You can't really see it by looking at the, the content, you know, that they, or the messages, right, that that the providers, you know, published, so we're looking at those accounts, you know, for to sort of try to build out, right, what does the Chinese state run covert influence operation look like? Right. And how do you tie them back to the Chinese government um, and that the, the sort of the latter two are, are just not clear, right, how the, the content providers really determined, right, made these determinations. So where do
0: you see this heading? Is is there a clear direction? Is, I mean, is this the shape of things to come? Do we expect that the platforms are going to continue to clamp down on this? Do we expect that uh, the governments are going to continue to use this as a, an effective way to uh, amplify their influence operations?
1: Oh, certainly. For the latter, yes. I mean, we see the use of social media influence operations Expanding hugely, right across nations, um, even into the, the criminal sector, right as well. Um, so, using social media, right, as a way to uh, disseminate right disinformation or messages or false information, right, we see that as certainly continuing because it has an effect, right. What the actual effect is, right, um, is still hard to quantify, you know, from a research perspective. But, but it certainly does have an effect, right, at amplifying messages. So that's first, yes, we definitely see that happening. Mm. Um, second, you know, from, in terms of the, the content providers and the platforms, you know, again, a number of those platforms have also taken a, an interesting tact, which is to prevent some of these state-run media sources, right, state-run influence accounts from purchasing advertisements, right, on their platforms. So I think that's a really interesting step Because, you know, we've shown that, for example, uh, Chinese state run accounts actively purchase ads on these social media platforms and promote these, again, you know, dishonest, right, and and one-sided, you know, perspective, um, and that it's very difficult to properly identify for users, right, and readers of that content. One who the message is, who's exactly paying for the message that they're seeing, how it's um, manipulative, right? It's an interesting tack that the platforms are taking by just prohibiting, right? These state run accounts from purchasing ads as opposed to trying to kind of tackle like these larger issues, right? About how do they properly caveat, right? When an ad is purchased so that the reader and the user understands the full scope of the message they're receiving.
0: Can you give us some perspective, I mean, the work that you're doing um, at Recorded Future and tracking these sorts of things, um, who are the types of people that you're serving with this sort of information? Who's making use of it? Um, You know, how how is this work benefiting uh, folks out there running their businesses?
1: Sure. Um, So one of the main ways that this work benefits sort of our clients and others is that we're identifying what we would call like indicators of inauthentic behavior, right? So little indicators of behavior, whether it be about the content that's inside of a message, how the message is posted, the accounts, like the way that they look, the way they portray themselves, you know, the timing of these messages, all of these are indicators of behavior, right? That you can pull together and, you know, that add up to being able to possibly identify these sort of inauthentic behavior or these influence campaigns right at an earlier stage so that you know for example a company maybe may be able to prevent false information from coming out about a product of its for example right before that gets too far or from an election certainly we have election providers right and um you know government departments at kind of every level who are really really concerned about you know preserving um you know the ability for people to you know, not necessarily vote right but to have an information environment in which they can determine what is truth right mm-hmm. and the integrity of our elections. so you know for the type of research we're not just pointing it at like governments trying to to kind of you know, deter influence campaigns but in order to, but we're really focused on trying to build up these indicators right of activity of this inauthentic or malign social media activity so that we can help sort of identify that malign activity more broadly for a whole number of, of clients and, and uses
0: our thanks to recorded futures priscilla moriucci for joining us there's a report on the Recorded Future website titled, Chinese State Media Seeks to Influence International Perceptions of Hong Kong Protests. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future Podcast team includes coordinating producer Zane Pakorney, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.